We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Matt, what 2011 Thanks, Matt. GT. Thanks, Matt, Matt. for the website reimbursement. Fund. I appreciate that. We need yeah. it. We're gonna need it. So when he when the guy gave me the number, I was like, he's like, can you afford that? I was like, well, I'm not happy about it, but I, I think we can swing it. It's got to get done. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate that, buddy. Appreciate yeah. that very much. We had a next question from Fighting Mike 87 with the super chat. Thank you so much, sir. Will Notre Dame look into Ohio State's Julian Fleming? We talked about that one a little yeah. bit. Played primary in the slot, but could fit outside at six foot two. Would have two years left, a senior academically. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate the question, man. I just wanted to bring it up so we could thank you for the super chat. But we we discussed that. I would look at Julian Fleming, Ryan. If I'm in the the way I would do the portal is I'd have my group of A guys and my B guys. The A guys are like let's they can be difference makers, needle movers. The B guys, yeah. this is these are good football players who can help us. Sure. provide depth can provide maybe some leadership julian fleming's in that second group for me okay chris mitchell's in the a group for me julian fleming's in the second group there may be a circumstance where you know that guy could come help you but i think the other part that that he makes is he did play in the slot a little bit and the last thing notre dame needs right now is another slot guy he'd have to be bought into being an outside guy for me and he has played some outside but he'd have to be bought into being yeah. an outside guy Agree, and and I don't I don't think that I feel, feel like he know. played a lot more in the in on the outside in 2022 when they had well, actually no 2021 in, 2021 yeah 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 because they had because they because then they had Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett yeah. Wilson who both spent some time in the slot at that point so yeah and then la- yeah last year he um you know they he would have played a lot more outside last year if Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't get hurt yeah I believe because that he was going to play obviously a lot of the the slot for them. Yep. Let's get to the next one. Right. Tyler Evans says, what did you think of the Michigan reaction to playing Bama? What was the reaction? I didn't even see what the reaction was. Basically there was just like this groan in the room. Yep. Uh, I was like, Oh, they were watching the announcement. And I was like, Oh, now a lot of people that are, that are spinning it for Michigan are saying like, no, they were just upset that Florida state got screwed over. I'm like, Uh, okay, okay. sure. But it's like you, you Why would they thinking, care? Why would they care huh? about Florida State getting screwed over? Why would they care about because that? Because they would have played Florida State. Oh, gotcha. Because whoever got the four was going to play them. And then it, and said they got Bama. So it's like, oh, 
It's like it was like that kind of reaction. So I, I thought it was pretty fun. Now, keep in mind, a lot of the people that were doing that were you could watch it. It wasn't like Chris Jenkins and Blake yeah. Corum and you know Will Johnson. It was it was the people in the room, you know, the the non football coaches and players in the room as well. It wasn't. I don't. You know, it didn't look like it was the players that were feeling that way. It was like the boosters and you know all those kind of folks. Yep. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We had Zach, 3-2. Zach, thank you so much. Who do y'all, and this is Super Chat, by the way. Thank you for that. Who do y'all think wins the national championship? I already put my my pick on Twitter, Brian. I, I couldn't believe my mind went to this, but I sat down and I started thinking about how the four teams mesh together and the matchups that they're going to ensue. So Washington versus Texas and then Alabama, obviously, against Michigan. Very cool, like, kind of matchups, to be honest, because, like, yeah. they're similar-ish teams on both sides, and then you're going to get a very different team on the on the championship side of things, right? Like, they're very similar. I think Texas has a very good yeah. chance of winning the whole thing. I do, yeah. man. Because I, 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 I just think I'm, I'm going to pick Texas to beat Washington, for one. I just think they're a better all-around team. And then... From there, it's Michigan, Alabama against Texas that plays a little bit more of a space game. But the thing about Texas, which I think is the biggest difference this year, one, Quinn Ewers has been healthy all year. He hasn't been banged up as much as he was the year before. I know he missed a couple games, but for the most part, he's been a little bit more healthy. He's been better. And Texas's run defense has been really good this year, man. Like They have a good rush defense, so I think if they match up against Alabama or Michigan, they're not going to completely shut down the run game on either side, but they're going to do a good job comparative yeah. to what some other teams could do so give me texas man i guess texas the, texas is back some some might say well i mean they're a playoff team they were really good they're, they're back it's can they sustain it i laughed ryan because i know you didn't listen to yesterday's show i know you had a lot of things going on with your kids and i know you didn't listen to yesterday's show i literally said in the show your flag just came down by the way uh i i said in the show yesterday it's wild because what i like about the matchup is you have this this I'll I'll wait till I'll wait till Ryan gets back. That was actually kind of funny. His flag, his IB flag came flying down. So I'm gonna let him get back in because I'm literally making the point to you. So what I said in the I'm show listening. yesterday I'm was, oh, yeah. I don't know if you're still listening. Yeah, I was listening. Um, it was wild. I love the matchup because you have two very similar teams in one game, yep. and then two very similar. And you have like two old school kind of throwback teams in game one, pound the football, play great defense, and then you have two like modern offenses in game two. And then of course you're gonna, so you're going to have a, a, a contrast. 
You're going to have yep. very similar to playoff and then contrast in the title game. I kind of feel like the winner of the Texas-Washington game is going to be the who wins the championship. That's what I think. Uh, hmm. You know, to me, Texas – Texas matches up a little bit better, in my opinion, against like I think Washington matches up very well against Texas. I think Texas matches up really well against Bam and Michigan. Does that make sense? Like yeah. Texas could have a tougher time beating Washington than they could Michigan or Bama, in my opinion. Because I think Texas has the ability to play in the trenches. And the reason I say that is, is if there's a vulnerability for Texas this year. It's if you have a really if you have really good receivers, you can hurt them. That's what sure. Oklahoma. That's how Oklahoma hurt them. Sure. And so, I think Washington's a tough matchup for them, but I don't think the other two teams mat, like are present that same level of challenge like Washington does. And the issue, the reason I think Texas matches up better than Washington is because I think Texas can better match up in the trenches with Bama or Michigan than yes. Washington can. Yes. And, Washington's and so, offensive line can match up, but the defensive line, I do not think. That's my concern. That's yeah. my concern. Yeah. Although I did th- thought they held their own pretty well against Oregon. But it's a different style. Oregon's a different style of running the football. than like They're more, you know, again, tempo and speed and outside zone and, and buck sweep where Michigan and Bama just were coming right at you. It's a completely yeah. different animal. Uh, and, and so it, it's going to be, fa- it's really going to be fascinating, Brian, to see how this whole thing plays out. I'm, I'm really, I, I say this, look, I have strong feelings about, how things went down and who should have got in or shouldn't have got in. But if you take all that aside and just look at the four teams and the matchups, this is going to be one of the better to me, semifinal games, at least from like on paper, this is, these are two of the best semifinal games on paper that we've seen. Cause you think last year was like, you had TCU in Michigan. Nobody's fired up about TCU, even though I predict them to win. You had uh, Georgia playing Ohio, Ohio state, State, which is a good one. That was a great game. Yeah. But then the year before, you had Michigan against um, uh, Georgia, and then you had Cincinnati against Bama. Those wasn't sexy picks, right? And then you had the weird COVID year, uh, which was pretty good matchup. Was it in Cincinnati, Georgia? It was Cincinnati, Georgia, wasn't it? Not it was Michigan, Georgia. Cincinnati got beat by Bama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michigan played Georgia. Michigan played Georgia. Yeah, no. positive. Yeah, okay. they were both since like, because Cincinnati was actually a more competitive against Bama than, than, uh, but Brian Robinson like ran all over uh, Cincinnati mm-hmm. that day. Cause remember they came out against uh, Bama, uh, Cincinnati just kind of like ran cause they like completely avoided the perimeter against sauce and Kobe Bryant. They just ran yeah. right up the middle at him the whole game. Uh, we actually watched that Ryan. I think one of the guys that we asked earlier, he has a, a um, he has a, uh, his avatar is a picture we took together. I think at that event, that we had because that was uh, when Notre Dame when Notre Dame played Oklahoma State. We had our little IB get together on playoff on the playoff day, so we were primarily watching the Cincinnati Alabama game. So that's why I remember that one a little bit more than maybe uh, I normally would. We had Iden Benami. I did another question. I thought we'd hear more about the about Charles Jagasa taking a big leap this year. Any word there? Yeah, I'll have. I mean, I hope to have more on this kind of before the bowl game. I'm, I was trying, working on putting something together to find out how the young guys are looking and kind of like we do during fall camp and spring ball and stuff. But no, I've heard they like him a lot. I think the only question is, is that there's a difference of opinion on where he should play. Yeah. I'm told there are some people on staff that think he needs to get a shot at tackle, and there are some others that uh, that don't that think he's more of a guard. So. I uh I'm not quite sure which one that'll be. 
we'll, we'll yeah. have to find out. But as far as but just I mean, big, physical, athletic. Yes, you know, just he's got all that stuff. They're, yes. they're very impressive. Not there's nobody that I've talked to that's like, yeah, he's not quite as good as we'd hoped. Nobody. <laughs> it's just more about what's his best positional fit. That's more of the question mark. Sure, that people have. We had a question from Coleman Smith who says, how many scholarships are we at right now heading into 2024? We've got to be below 90 at this point, I would think. They're getting close. So I have them at, I think, 89. 89. But that's because I also made the 88. But that's also because I made the decision to take Maris Leofau and J.D. Bertrand off since they both accepted uh, invites into the postseason bowl games. And they did the same with Cam Hart. I assume that I'm going to be correct there, but they're at 88 right now. Now, I, I think the path to getting to 85 is easy. There's a couple offensive linemen that are going to come off. I, you know, I have Joe Walton, Blake Fisher still on there. Yeah. Uh, I have Michael Carmi still on there. I have Andrew Kristoffic. I think you know, we'll see some of those guys leave. I could see Kevin Bauman not being part. So, I mean, I think they'll definitely get under 85. I have Devin Ford still on there. It just comes down to – how how many spots can they open up for the portal? Sure. And then how many spots do you want to save? If you're talking about Notre Dame, you you might want to consider saving a couple spots for the spring to kind of see how certain positions develop. And then you can go back into the transfer portal again after spring ball. Because they, they've actually gotten a couple guys that were pretty good players out of the spring portal. Nick McLeod was a spring portal guy. He was a very important piece of the 2020 team. And I believe Chris Smith was also a late portal guy. He was yeah, a post-spring portal guy as well. He was late, yeah. So some of those guys have turned out to be pretty good and important players for Notre Dame. Yep. Now you're not getting like a game changer, most likely, in that situation, but a guy that can definitely help you. Yeah, exactly. All right. We have the next question is from Pete Weber, bowling legends. Notre Dame finally announced a new president in Father Dowd. Any word on how much this guy loves his football? No idea. I have a. I had a couple emails and a couple texts out to some people that would know, and uh, haven't heard back just yet. So I have no idea what this means for the football program or the sports programs or anything along those lines. But I do know that Notre Dame reported that today. That's that's the extent of my uh, my knowledge on that one. All right. Yeah. DM ND thirteen. What are your thoughts on the opening line being Notre Dame minus ten and a half in the bowl game? I'm not surprised. Uh, my, I was actually texting with my betting buddy about this line opening because, Dan, again, I mean, yes, Notre Dame is going to be down some players from opt-out perspective, but Oregon State doesn't have their head coach, who obviously is th- Jonathan Smith, who's taking the Michigan State job. They don't have their top two quarterbacks. They don't have their star running back, who is the engine of that offense. Now, they still have a good running back behind yeah. him in the Sean Fenwick. Like, it's not like they don't have anybody, but the, the, still the the – gap between Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick is is pretty wide in my opinion and I would I this hasn't been announced but I I wouldn't be surprised like uh, uh Fuaga the right tackle is a really good football player Talis Fuaga I wouldn't be shocked if he's an opt out because he's going to go high in the draft Jonathan Gray the re- left tackle is a guy that could be at a senior bowl invite so there might be a couple more opt outs aside from what we know so far but being down to your third string quarterback, your backup running back when your offense is driven around running the football and your head coach not being there anymore, minus 10 and a half sounds about right to me, even though I respect Oregon State as a program, yeah. but they are just a they're in transition right now. It's a transition. I'm I'm also not touching this one because I think I still think there's more guys that we don't know are going to play for Notre Dame that are going to come out. So I just these things are always I wouldn't I would never bet on a bowl game. 
like in, in the modern era, just no way. Should Notre Dame win by that much? Yeah, probably. I mean, this yes. is not going to be the same Oregon State team you saw almost beat Washington. It's just, it isn't, you know. Um, now, the the thing that I'm curious about is, do some of the defensive guys stay in because their coordinator is getting the head coaching job? I mean, right. you can maybe see something like that. But like you said, offensively, and uh, losing Aiden Childs, man, that's got to sting because that was their future yep. quarterback, and I like him a lot. Apparently, you and I, we, you and I talked about him on the show a year ago when, oh, yeah. when Dante Moore decommitted. Some guys that we would look at if yep. we were Notre Dame, and I do know that Tommy Reese, he tried, Franklin. he tried, yeah, man, him. but he was he was locked in at the time. Apparently, uh, Oregon State. Apparently, the word that's out there too, and this isn't like you know confined information. Like it's out there. Apparently, Aiden Childs is most likely going to Michigan State with Jonathan Smith, and that would if Jonathan huge. Smith's able to get him, that's that's a big get huge. for him, man. Huge. Yep. That kid is really talented, Ryan. Yes. Really, I like that kid a lot. That's yep. a that would be a big pickup for him. Big pickup for him. Sure would. I don't think there's a quarterback on that roster left. So, uh, and, and even if all those kids stayed. Yeah. With all due respect to the kid they got from St. John Bosco, there's not a kid yeah. on that roster that's in this kid's league. Ten, just God-given ability-wise, in yeah. my opinion. Marcus Freeman's little leprechaun boy. Uh, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cal McCourt and Dylan Gabriel entering the portal? We talked about this one a little yeah. bit already. Um, but, I wanted to yeah. get your thoughts on this one, Ryan. Okay. Um, somebody asked this as well, and I'll try to find it. It was, if here we go, from Chief Brody. How will Notre Dame look at Kyle McCord in the portal? So let's just say that Riley Leonard chooses to go somewhere else, chooses yeah. to go back to Duke somewhere else. Would Kyle McCord be a guy that you would look at if you were Notre Dame? Not me. No, yes, no. I mean, if it, I, I have been on the the I have been on the wave of if you're bringing in a quarterback, he needs to be a guy that can compete to be your starter and be a dude. Like he needs to be a guy, right? I just don't think Kyle McCord's that guy. Like, I don't think Kyle McCord's bad by any stretch. I mean, he had a pretty solid year this year for Ohio State. But I just – I would rather see Kenny Minch or C.J. Carr play than Agreed. see Kyle McCord as a starting quarterback for Notre Dame Agreed. in 2023. That's just me. Yeah. Because the, excuse me. the conversation that you and I had earlier about Riley Leonard moving the needle yeah. in that one year yeah. is not true for Kyle McCord, in Agreed. my opinion. Because, I mean, Kyle McCord – I like Kyle McCord – he Solid. disappointed me this year. I'll be honest yeah. with you. He just wasn't what I thought he could be. Yeah. I, I think some of that is a development issue. I think some of that's just – he just – He has some limitations. Yeah, some limitations just, yeah. to his game. Yeah. And, and he is a tough kid, and he tries and, you know, and all that. And, you know, he made that big throw against Notre Dame, but that was after he should have got picked off. You know what yes. I mean? Like yes. where he just didn't see D.J. Brown at all. He doesn't handle pressure very well. We saw that against Notre Dame. We saw that against Michigan. We saw that early against Penn State. And I mean pressure. I mean literal pressure, not the pressure of the moment. I mean literal pass rush pressure. So uh, to me, that would be stunting the quarterback development for a guy that's not going to get you where you want to get to anyway. Just yeah. isn't. And so with you, I'm with you on that one, Ryan. And, and I like yeah. Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord is a is is got a guy. He needs to go somewhere that's got a really talented roster, and he can be a nice, good game manager. Or that's where he needs. He can go back to Jersey, baby, and play for the Scarlet Knights. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, if if you're Fran Brown, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind having a kid like I that. I give him a call. I give yeah. him a call. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine Rutgers this year that they had Kyle Manungai at running back who had a really good year for them. Imagine if they had any semblance of a passing attack. Rutgers would be a pretty solid little team, yeah. man. They'd be pretty good. Oh, nice job there. Nice hire by Fran Brown, too, by the way. I love Fran Brown. Hire. Hire. I that was and, time, man. Well, I meant his hire. 
getting mm-hmm. Elijah Robinson to come be a oh. coordinator. Yeah, that's yeah. two strong recruiters. And I was explaining this to a buddy of mine. He's like, I don't like that hire. I said, Why not? Was he down to be coordinating experience? I was like, Well, A, yes, he does. <laughs> and B, I don't care. I said, Neither did Dabo Sweeney or Urban Meyer. Like the whole you got to be a coordinator thing is way overplayed. It depends on what you're looking for from a coach. If you're looking for a coach to come in and be a play caller, then yeah, you want a Joe Moorhead type. That's not that's not what they need. You can hire coordinators. They need people that can recruit. That is a harder place to recruit to now than it was 20 years ago for a bunch of different reasons. Some of it demographic, some of it just the nature of NIL, some of it Syracuse just isn't, you know, doesn't have the appeal at you. There's a ton of reasons. Fran Brown is a guy that has a good reputation as a position coach, but also a guy that is a is known as a very strong recruiter. Same thing with Elijah Robinson. He was a guy that was considered a very good D-line coach. I don't know what kind of coordinator is going to be. I don't know enough about him in that regard, but he was a very good position coach, and he's a very good recruiter. And that's absolutely something that Syracuse needs. So uh, in that regard, I like the hire of Fran Brown. It's There's always some risk when you're hiring a guy that's never been a head coach or never been a coordinator. I mean, I, I, you know, there's always some risk. I, I get that. But I just don't think it's the it's the requirement that some people think that it is. But man, you know, if you're gonna if you're in a place like that, you either here's what you do, Ryan. There's two candidates you hire if you're at Syracuse. Some young up and coming FCS group of five, whatever type of coach, knowing he's gonna come in hopefully for three to five years and be that guy. Yeah. Or B, you go with a proven coach who can freaking recruit. And he can. Those are the two options. And, and he recruits New Jersey fantastically. Yes. So you, New Jersey, like the, the problem with Syracuse is that like New York doesn't produce a ton of talents, not a and, ton of football yeah. talents. And but Pennsylvania doesn't does. produce as much as it used to either. Right. Which is but New, yeah. New Jersey's a good football right. state. They produce good football. So and if they you have can not tap recruited New Jersey, New Jersey well at all. They exactly. haven't. Yeah. They haven't. And so, that would have been my concern with Al Golden is Al Golden could have recruited New Jersey yeah. if he wanted to. Yeah. But the question always be, does he want to be that kind of – you know Fran Brown's going to come in there and, and grind. Yeah. He's going to be the Syracuse version of Marcus Freeman as a recruiter. Yep. Right? I mean, he won't recruit the same type of players, but as far as the impact of the head coach being a – the head coach will be your best recruiter at right. Syracuse. And and you need to start keeping some of whatever talent does come out of New York. And like Josiah, Josiah Brown that is at going to Penn State, the Notre Dame recruiter for a little yeah. bit. You need to keep that kid in New York, man. Right. Get him to come up to Syracuse. Don't go over to Penn State. Let's keep, stay in here. Which would have been easier if they didn't make a change at offensive coordinator. Yep. But that I think that guy's gonna do well. I know you do. I know he, you're very high on him. I, I I thought it was great. I mean, he's got the tie, he's got the ties. He's also obviously coached at Georgia. Like no, I, I meant I mean, I was trying. I know you love the hire that Penn State made at, at OC. Oh yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, yeah, the Kansas OC, um, Kaltenecki. I really like that dude yeah. a lot. Yeah, Kaltenecki. Uh, Irish blooded. Do you know Marcus Freeman's timeline for announcing players sitting, or is there going to be individual meetings with each applicable player that can first, just more or less, what the process or time? I would imagine over the next week. I mean, Notre Dame likes to like, and I, and I get it as best as they can with kids that'll work with them. And, and the NFL drafts easier than the portal stuff. They like to kind of space it out a little bit to let kids have their moment. So you'll kind of see it in waves. You'll see guys announcing waves. Is kind of how you'll see it. But um, but they are having sit downs with all the kids. Yeah. And, when they've I mean, already, I mean, yeah. they, that's what last yeah. week was about. I mean. Yep. They've already had all those meetings. They've had all those sit downs. They've done all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, guys are making decisions and 
you make the now some of the guys are not sure of like like I right I expect Riley Mills to play in the bowl game Howard Cross Xavier Watts I I think right now though there's a there's a good chance those guys come back but I don't think any of them have made a, a, a definitive 100% decision as far as I know because yeah. they're still waiting some of them are like Xavier Watts I believe is still waiting for some NFL feedback those decisions will happen more definitively after the bowl game yeah you know so this is more of the going to be for the guys who aren't going to play are going to make some of those decisions here. Like, you know, like if um, we haven't heard anything about Jack Kaiser, I, I don't expect we'll hear anything about Jack Kaiser till after the bowl game. I would, right. it would be my expectation. Whether he's coming back, going pro or, or transferring would be my, would be my thought process. Joe Allen says, does the unorganized mess from yesterday's bowl shenanigans hurt the relationship between Notre Dame and the ACC? It looks like there will be there will be teams leaving the ACC because of it. I mean, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, you you can be in your feelings all you want, but it's really expensive to leave the ACC. I mean, you're talking what nine figures, Ryan? I believe is the last I heard because of the timing of it. I, I think I saw something like uh, past this week that it now jumps up to like a hundred million or something crazy like that. Yeah, so you can be in your feelings all you want about it, but it's still very expensive. But the the way that the ACC just bungled this whole thing is just um, it was weird. Just, man. It was weird. <laughs> like I think Jim Phillips has done some nice things, but some of the things he's done and said, he's not as bad. But it's just kind of like if you get a bad commissioner and you're already kind of on the brink, it could mm-hmm. just you know. And I mean, you're doing you're doing dumb crap like you're putting five names into a hat, which is the latest report. You know, what are we doing here? You're trying to convince Bowles not to take Notre Dame, which is something else that's out there in the universe. <laughs> it's like Notre Dame is your is your potential saving grace as a as a conference, and you're going to do something like this to alienate them. Why? So weird. So, so weird. it just was so rinky dink, and it's just like this is why your conference is is going to die ultimately because you yeah. don't have enough schools that are committed to football, and they don't have enough foresight to commit to football because they want to. You know, you can be a basketball school and I mean, and still say, hey, we're going to make more of an investment in the football. And you're you're just the way it's run. It's just you guys are not serious. And I was hoping Jim Phillips would be better. But just some of the things that he he did with this and just a couple other decisions is just kind of really, really crazy. And it's it's going to it could potentially cost him, but. Yeah. Look, the whole thing is these schools are some of these schools like hurt, Florida State's hurting for money. I don't know that they can just up and get a hundred. Well, they're donors. If they had that kind of donor class, they wouldn't be hurting for money like they right. are. Right. And that's the whole point is they don't have that kind of donor class. So it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very strange. That that whole that whole process was very weird. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows. And you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, 
Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Frank G Agreed. with the super chat. Thank you so much, Frank. With the transfers out of the wide receiver room, do the numbers of the wide receiver position change when it comes to the 2024 and 2025 recruiting classes? I'm guessing more for the 2023 class than the 2024. Yeah, uh, definitely 2025 more than 24. Yeah. You are correct, Frank. I, I think actually, Frank, I don't even know that we need to spend much time on your question other than thanking you. I think you nailed where it's at. I think it's yeah. going to definitely impact the 25 class yeah. numbers. They were talking about yeah. taking two for sure, maybe three. I think now it's a guaranteed three, maybe four. Guaranteed, yeah. 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 Is what at least that's what it should do. That's what I yeah. think they should do. Because there's two ways to look at it, right, Frank? Is like the immediacy is now you have to go to the portal, right? To get a couple right. guys for the year. But then after that, that scholarship frees up, right? Because we're talking about usually one year and done type of guys. So right. that'll transition to the 2025 class. Absolutely. Yep. Good question. Thank you for the super chat. I think yeah, I said that, but just in case I missed it. Uh, Red Bearded Eagle says, has there been any indication that one or more of the wide receivers entering the portal may be interested in being pitched to stay with the potential new coach? I have heard from a source who says they heard it from a source who heard it from a source that Notre Dame is talking to Chris Tyree, but I don't want to necessarily – say that I'm reporting that because I haven't heard it from anyone close enough to the situation. Um, I, I I don't know that they've made a decision on a lot of those, to be honest with you. I, I, I have no idea. And probably depending on how the situations unfolded, there might be a one that maybe the bridge was burnt, let's say, right? right? Where you're not even pitching a kid to come back potentially. I mean, who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. I did see Chris Tyree was visiting Virginia today, I think, UVA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. UVA, Virginia Tech, it would make sense to look at those kind of places. I don't know that – I don't I, I don't I think, know how I, I think you, I think UVA would be really cool because Malik Washington was their slot receiver this year, and he had like 110 catches yeah. for like 1,400 yards. He'd probably yeah. seamlessly fit there. But see, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that Virginia Tech would necessarily be what Chris Tyree's looking for, that kind yeah. of spread mobile quarterback. They're an outside yeah. throwing team. I don't know that would fit what they're looking for. Yeah. And then also, depending on who their quarterback is going to be next year, you could see them doing a whole lot more RPO stuff next year. Like if that little short athletic kid's their quarterback next year. Landria. Yeah. I mean, he's going to do a lot more of that stuff. So you're going to get be able to get Chris in space with some of the, the RPOs and reads and boots yeah. and stuff. So, you know, I, I could see UVA. And if you know anything about the Tyree family, they're a very academic-oriented family. And even though Chris has got his, master, his bachelor's from Notre Dame, don't think that the idea of possibly getting a, a, a master's from Virginia won't cross that family's mind sure. uh, as far as value. Because Virginia is an incredible academic institution. Like yep. Virginia, the state of Virginia is weird because like in a lot of states that I, that I know of, like, like Indiana, obviously the biggest, best academic school in the state is a private school. Uh, as far as I know, like of all the big time schools, the best academic school in the state of Florida, it's by far a private school, Miami. 
Virginia is different. The best academic schools in the state of Virginia, UVA and William and Mary are both public schools. So it's a little bit of a different deal, but Virginia is in, in the state. If you're someone who wants to live in the state, a university of Virginia degree goes a long way. Like yeah. my dad was a process server for a long time. And I can't tell you how many people he knew that are lawyers in that area. And there's, it's a, I mean, over a million people in the Tidewater area. Like almost all of them were like either William & Mary or UVA grads. A ton of them were. So those uh, those degrees go a very, very long way if you're from Virginia, which is where Chris Tyree is from. So it would make a lot of sense to look at it, look at UVA from that regard. Yep. Good question. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. We had another one from Christopher LaFaro who says, any truth that Notre Dame is playing at Yankee Stadium week zero? If so, is Army the opponent's? I don't know about week zero. I believe Tim Priester was the first person to report this like about a month ago. And we kind of had it on our board a little bit, Chris. The the We felt for a while that Army is who they're going to play, and we had heard it's going to be in Yankee Stadium. I don't know why Notre Dame is holding off on it. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be week zero or if it's going to be later in the year. I have no idea. I wouldn't mind it being in week zero, Ryan, because then you have a game for your offense to kind of at least have a week to kind of get caught up with a new quarterback before you head to college station. And then you'd still have two buys during the season, which would be nice. So uh, I could see that. I don't know when it's going to be, but I do anticipate yeah. it being army. I do anticipate it being in the Yankee stadium, but I, I want to make sure that the credit goes to Tim Priester, who's I believe the first person to report that, but that was like over a month ago. And so we talked about it. So this is coming up now because did you hear the guy from the sun bowl kind of, said it he said yeah, like you know the military like, dude <laughs> yeah, right seriously but in his defense they had they went into that press conference or that whole process not even thinking there was any chance that Notre Dame was going to be playing in their bowl game these yeah. they had all the helmets of the potential they didn't have, play, Dame, didn't have Notre Dame helmet I know I saw that which is yeah. absolutely wild yeah. absolutely wild that's crazy and just ind- indicative of just the absolute you know what show yeah that uh that we saw yesterday might have to get at the Yankee Stadium for that, though, if that is the case. Yeah. But it should be pretty cool. Uh, Do you want to just go as a fan, or would you like to kind of go as part of the coverage piece? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. I haven't even. I mean, it's not even finalized yet, right? It's a little time to think if about it happens, that. Just so you yeah. know, the the yeah. the game watch as far as covering it is literally directly through the end zone. Oh, really? So, like mm-hmm. the where the press box is. So they have like the stadium. It's like um. So like if you look at your at home field, right, Ryan? It's like the end zone yeah. going. It goes here out to the right like out towards right field. Yep. And then you have all that open space towards left field. And then we're in the press box kind of right behind it. So we're kind of looking like right through um, that part. So if you like the all 22 view, the press box, if you'd rather have a side view, you might want to sit up in the stands. Either one works for me. I'll be there. My wife's going to make me go to that game, but she's going to make me take her like she did last time, which works because it gives her something to do because she's my photographer. So very true. Very true. But that was one of the coolest things she's ever done because she didn't go to Fenway in 15 and she's always regretted it. So as soon as they announced that they're going to play Syracuse in the next game, she's like, don't oh, even ask nice. me if I'm going or not. I'm going. Fenway's nice. Yeah, yeah Fenway's it was really nice. Coolest. I went to a live game, but we did the tour of Fenway where you got to see the whole every part of the stadium, which was pretty yeah. dope up there. Coolest thing for me, Ryan. I did two yeah. things that were really cool about being at that game. Number one, walking out of the dugout. I have a picture of me like, you know, like managers do, like on the you know, leg up on the top step, leaning over. Yeah. Got a picture of that. And then the other one was uh, there was t- t- two equipment kids or something, managers from Notre Dame, that had brought a mitten a glove. Or, I mean, a mitten a ball. And they're out there playing catch. And I was like, 
y'all got to give me one of those mitts, man. You got to let me, let me. So I'm out here playing catch and left field at Fenway Park. That was just nice. like one of the coolest things in my life. Awesome. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, you walk into the, the monster, the green monster, like I'm sure you guys did. You see yep. all the signatures and all the writing on the walls yep. inside of there. That was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. The only bad part was cool. sitting in those really cramped seats. But yeah. That's another conversation. Yeah. People were a little smaller back then, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When in new Yankee stadiums, a whole lot different than Fenway. I actually went to old Yankee stadium the last year it was in play. Cause we were actually living in Colorado at the time. But I told Angela, I was like, I, I will never forgive myself if I don't go to a game at Yankee Stadium before they tear it down. Yeah. I'll never forgive myself. As a baseball fan, uh, at the time, I'll never forgive myself. So we actually went and watched them play the Blue Jays, which was pretty wild. Talking about like an old rundown stadium, but still, man, I didn't care. I was like, this is so cool. Is, you know, Mickey Mantle played right there. And, you know, Seriously. it was just really pretty cool. Yeah. Tony Stangle with the question says, is there any indication that Sam Hartman won't play in the bowl game? There's some. But not enough to where I'm ready to say he's not going to play in the bowl yeah. game. I think it would be. I, I think it would be a. Again, it's his decision. He can pick to do whatever the heck he wants. But I think that would be a mistake for him not to play Agreed. in the bowl game. I think it would. Agree. Now the justification is going to be well, his you know if the two tackles don't play and he's got all these receivers sure. sitting out. I'm like, Audrey's trying to. I was like, but you're a captain, dude. Like you're a leader. Like. <laughs> Right, you know, with all those guys out, they need. That's even more reason that they need you to kind of to, yep. to play. But Agreed. you know, whatever. I, I, I think you should play. Um, now, do you have a plan for you know Minchie and Angeli or something? Sure, sure. But I, I think. Yep. Yep. Agree. Yeah. Right. Next question is from ND Estimate Trucking LLC. What is your ideal two deep at linebacker for the bowl game if all starting linebackers opt out? Or if only one plays? If only one plays, I mean, right now, it, it most likely of the – well, I mean, I think they all play. But if if they were going to have two guys opt out for the purpose of the question – am I reading it correctly, Ryan? He's like, yeah. let's say only one plays. It would probably be Jack Kaiser that plays because the other two announced – Accepted invites. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, what Notre Dame would probably well, I, do – I can't believe that Jack Kaiser didn't get an invite. I saw him in a first-round mock draft before the season. Well, that makes me <laughs> – Stupid. So That's why you don't fun. look at mock drafts. God, yes. Sorry. So yeah. stupid, especially before a season plays. Um, what I would say, Ryan, is he would be the one. Now, what Notre Dame will probably do is move Jack inside, which would be ridiculous. I would not do that. Uh, but what I would like to see them do is keep Jack at Rover, start Drake Bowen at Mike, and either Jalen Sneed or Jaden Osbury at Will. That's what I would do. And I would play both of them. I'd play Jalen Sneed yeah. and Jaden Osbury at Will. And uh, that's what I would do. Yeah, that's absolutely what I would do. I'm down for that, man. I'm ready to see a little Drake Bowen in the yep. game. I'm ready to see a little Jay Osbury in the game. I'm ready for it, man. I think yep. we're on, on the same page on that one. We had Nicholas Grosh who says, why, sh- why should Duke quarterback Riley Leonard come to Notre Dame? Auburn has just landed a five-star wide receiver commit and probably does not have the uncertainty that is Notre Dame's wide receiver bro they didn't have a single receiver with over 350 yards first of all notre dame yeah. also has a five-star receiver his name's cam yeah. williams okay right. number right. one right number two the <laughs> with no tyree no merriweather no flores and no braylon james notre dame still has a better receiver room than auburn right now uh, and notre dame's overall receiver class is still going to be better yes cam coleman's ranked as a five-star coleman's very not, good. And he's very good i'm yeah. not trading cam coleman for Cam Williams. Agree with that as well. Yep. Not. And yep. and I'm not chaining their other receivers in the class for Micah Gilbert or Logan Saldate. So this is one of those things. This, like Nicholas, like you do you know what do you know about the Auburn room? 
What do you know about the all I'm looking at it right now, Brian. Uh, Camden Brown, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Caleb Burton. All due respect, I'm pretty good with the players' side of things, right? With knowing names and stuff. I have no idea who any of those kids are. Caleb Burton's the kid from Ohio State, the tramp from Ohio State. You you know him. Yeah. Okay. But, like, still, I mean, your leading receiver was a tight end who had fewer produ- had less production than Mitchell Evans. Was it Rivaldo Fairweather? Correct. Was he the only oh, I like yeah. him. Yeah. They have two receivers. Javaris Johnson had three, 19 catches for 347 yards. Jay Fair had 30 catches for 300 yards. Their top two receivers had as many touchdown receptions this year as Jaden Greathouse, who went five weeks without catching a pass. Even without all those guys, I'm not trading Notre Dame's receiving core for Auburn's innocent. Guys, we did watch them lose to New Mexico State two weeks ago, right? We did We I, did all see that. I, I talked to someone, Nicholas, that is not a Notre Dame beat guy that lives down in the southeast, and he was. I was actually talking to him about Riley Leonard because Auburn and Notre Dame are the two teams that are most associated with Riley Leonard, and he. this was his word-for-word quote. I know Notre Dame's wide receiver room needs some work, but Auburn barely has a group of five receiver core right now. Correct. Bar- barely has a group of five. It's not Correct. good right now in Auburn from a wide throwing perspective. It's and, not. And so. they found their Cam Williams. Notre Dame already had their Cam Williams. And, and yep. guys, receivers are not the only position to catch footballs. Like, Notre Dame's got a way better tight end room than Auburn. Notre Dame has a way better running back room than Auburn. I just, you know, I'm sorry. Like, that is just not, no. And then he has another question, Ryan. He says, is Riley okay. Leonard better than Kyle McCord? Yes. Much more talented than Riley. Yes. Than McCord. I, yes. I, if, if Riley Leonard was healthy last year, this past year, I think your opinion on Riley Leonard would possibly change. I'm not saying you, Nicholas. I'm saying the naysayers of Riley Leonard. And also, if he was healthy and you could throw him into Ohio State this past season – these numbers would have been pretty dang good, man. That's just yeah. that's speculation, obviously. But throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., throwing to I know Emeka was banged up, throwing to Julian Fleming, throwing to Carnell Tate, right. Xavier Johnson, like Tate Stover. I, I think his numbers would have been pretty dang good. Just my Brian, let's look at the numbers. Let's look yeah. at the numbers. Kyle McCord is a junior in his first year as a starter at Ohio State in a yeah. pass-oriented offense, completed 65.8% of his passes for 3,170 yards, 24 touchdowns, and six picks. Right. That that's that's his numbers and a pass heavy offense minus 65 rushing yards. So on the season, he had thirty one hundred and five yards in 12 games, two hundred and fifty eight point eight yards a game with yep. Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka, Travion Henderson, Cade Stover on and on and on and on. Yes. And Riley Leonard's sophomore season, his first year as a starter, he completed sixty three point eight percent of his passes, had two thousand nine hundred and sixty seven. Uh, uh, passing yards, 20 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Also had 699 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns. So Riley Leonard, total yards per game, 282. Kyle McCord, 258.8. Riley Leonard, total touchdowns, 33. Kyle McCord, 24. And Kyle McCord, Riley Leonard wasn't throwing to Marvin Harrison, Cade Stover, Emeka Buka, Travion Henderson, and a pass-heavy Jay, offense. Jalen Jalen Calhoun would be the fourth receiver on Ohio State. At maybe best. Maybe yes, right. correct. Maybe correct. maybe fifth, and as I mean, he might be fifth in a punt returner for them. Like that probably be what he, he would be fifth because he's a veteran, not because he's better than actually, Brandon Ennis or you know the, the young actually, kids. Have. 
Actually, I completely changed back what I said. He wouldn't be the fifth in the punt return because they have another guy named Emeka Ibuka who I think returns punts as well. Like, yeah, yeah. No thanks. No thanks. Yeah. Guys, look, I understand that there's frustration about what's going on. Yeah. But if you if you take your emotion out of it and say, is it a perfect room? No. But if you actually just take your emotion out of it and look at what Notre Dame has coming back next year at receiver and tight end, and then what they're adding at receiver and tight end, not even the portal, just what they're adding. Notre Dame's got a lot of weapons, yep. way more weapons than Riley Leonard's ever thrown to, and definitely more weapons than he's going to have at Auburn yes, or Texas A&M, the two options that people are looking at. And I'm not even talking about the running backs, Ryan. So, you know, we, 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 can, we can feel a certain way about what's going on at receiver. And, and look, I would rather Braylon James stay. I would rather Chris Tyree stay. I would rather Tobias Braywether stay. Yes. But – you also have to understand, guys, Riley Leonard, if he comes to Notre Dame, is not going to just sit back and let all these portal receivers just kind of pick what they're going to do. I mean, go look at who Riley Leonard follows on Instagram. Go look at who he follows on Twitter, and you'll kind of get an idea that, that you know, he wherever he's going to go, he's got some people he'd like to go with him, or he's going to try to get him to go with him. Yeah. So in either case, Notre Dame is in a much better position than people think. Having said that, I have always said this, right? I would much rather still have the guys you have come back and have the guys yeah. that you lost. I would always 100%. much rather have that. 100%. But if I'm a quarterback and I'm throwing to Jaden Greathouse and Jordan Faison and Cam Williams and and Mitchell Evans and, and Eli Randall kids are that you're going to get know, Jaden yeah. Thomas and hopefully Deion Coles if he's healthy and and whoever you get in the portal, like you're still going to be Micah Gilbert, Logan. So I mean, I could Caleb Smith. You're you're still going to have plenty of guys to throw to Cooper Flanagan. Right. Plenty of guys to throw to. You just got to coach them up. That's the thing that they're missing. Coach them up. That's what Notre Dame needs. There's talent there. All right. Next one was from John Leahy. Thank you, John. What offense would Chris Tyree be a good fit in? Where would you like to see him go? Well, for Chris, I think Chris needs to find a place that can hopefully maybe expand his game, not lean into what he was at Notre Dame. And I think that's what Chris is looking for. Like right now, we know that Chris can be a vertically oriented pass catcher. That's what he's done at Notre Dame, right? He can yeah. run seams and posts and overs and stuff like that where he can use his speed. Corners, yeah. Correct. What Chris needs to try to do is get someone who can kind of teach him on some of the more refinement parts of it to where he can win in the quick game. Now, Chris is never going to be a shake-and-bake kind of guy, right? It's just not his skill. His athleticism is more vertically explosive. I think the word you like to use is like linear, I believe. Linear. Yep. Right. But there are certain things that you can do with him in that, that he needs to have enhanced slant routes, uh, quick outs, double moves, things like that, where just the the finer points of the position he needs to learn. Right. And an offense that's going to let him do that, get him the ball in space. Chris is a good space guy. If you're getting the ball in space on the move, you know, crossers, unders, you know, uh, bootlegs, things where he can catch the ball and then turn and run. Those are all things that he can do. Um, who would what offense would that be? Honestly, I'd have to spend a little bit more time breaking it down. But I, I do think Ryan is correct. There are some things that Virginia does with their slot that's more of a vertically oriented type of offense down the field, seams, overs, crosses, quick game that I think would make a lot of sense for for Chris Tyree. Let's go to this question. And Irish Blooded asks. Irish breakdown staff, favorite Notre Dame sport to watch, see live other than football. Well, 
it used to be baseball for me. I loved going to major league baseball games. I'm not a big fan of baseball anymore. I just don't like the the way the game has changed, but I used to love going to baseball games, but I still enjoy, I mean, my wife and I still enjoy going to South Bend Cubs games just because it's a really nice day. We get to, you know, watch game talk and, you know, eat their pretzels there, which are really good. So that would be it. I've, I've never been a huge basketball fan, like of in person. I think basketball is the one sport that I think is way better to watch on TV than in person for me, just because you, it's the one sport you can see everything. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, you can see everything to me. Whereas, you know, there's, there's a few seats that are great seats in basketball, but like, like being courtside, that's to me, like, it's a great status thing, but like, I mean, I, I prefer being up higher, but yeah, basketball to me, I love watching basketball on TV. It's a much better sport to watch on TV than being in person. Now I know people that I know say that hockey is a great sport to watch in person. I've only been to like one minor league hockey game and almost got to a big brawl when I was there. Uh, some Jack hole was running his mouth and saying some ignorant stuff. So my sister turns around and says something to him and he starts mouthing off of her and can't have that. So I had to say some things. So we were about to have this big brawl and his buddy stood up and they behind me. I didn't know. And then my dad, I think told those, my dad's a big guy. So he's a little intimidating, but he, I believe my dad told the guys kind of what his, their buddy had said. Cause he had said some, some kind of racist stuff. And when they told him what he said, they sat down. And then that guy realized, like, I need to shut up now. So um, but I thought we were going to get to a little bit of brawl. It's my only hockey experience. That's all I remember from the game. I don't remember anything else from the game. So, But I've heard the hockey is a really cool sport to watch live. I just, I've never done it. But, I mean, so I'd probably say baseball is still probably my favorite sport to watch. Even though I don't follow the game now, I still enjoy going to a the minor league games and such coach Koch says, uh, what is the wide receiver wide receiver rotation looking like for the bowl game? Well, if, if I'm as correct in assuming, and, and this might be more wishful thinking than, than having actual knowledge of it. But if, um, if, if I look at it and if Deion Colsey's healthy, you, you're going to have him and Jaden Thomas in the boundary, you'll have probably great house and phase on in some combination to the field you'll have Matt Salerno playing to the field as, as part of it. And then, you know, potentially Caleb Smith working in the slot or to the field as well. I mean, I think you're going to see at least five of them play. And then you're still going to have your, your, your 12 personnel stuff with Eli Raritan and Cooper Flanagan and Davis Sherwood as sort of a three man rotation. And this is the point I was talking about. Like last year you had six receivers healthy for the bowl game. And one of them, Tobias Merriweather got hurt in the first quarter and wasn't the same guy. You had three healthy receivers for last year's bowl game. And you have three. I mean, so you have the same numbers this year that you had last year. A little bit more experience in some spots, but I'd argue more talent in other spots on this year's team. So, and they went out and scored forty-five points and had five hundred yards of offense in last year's bowl game. So it's yeah. one game. Like the receiving, the the numbers they have a receiver are fine for the bowl game. You can't sustain that over the course of a season. Sure. But for one game where you have a month off to rest, you're fine. You're fine for that one game. Yep. And. uh and again, like you said, Ryan, Oregon State's not going to be the uh, the, the pinnacle of of great depth either, because like you said, they're going to lose some guys as well. I, th- I think Notre Dame's going to be in a lot better uh, a lot better situation than Oregon State's going to be in. Yeah, based upon the early early intel insight, I should say. Um, Coach Koch, any indication who might be seeing out the bowl game? Uh, we've just the guys that have transferred, and we've dropped some other hints. We'll kind of let those guys make their official. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see here, Ryan. 
Um, here's another one from Coach Koch. Coach Koch says, how has Antonio Carter developed this year? Will he see some game time during the bowl game? Any chance he starts next season? Uh, I doubt it. That I doubt that he starts next season. I I don't I don't expect him to be a starter next season. I'm just leaving Same. that. Yeah. Same. Uh, he's a guy that that is a really physical kid, but I just don't know yes. that he really is comfortable playing safety. Just don't think he had the feel for it that they were hoping he would develop at the position. So no, I don't expect him to be part of the safety rotation next season. All right, we got JM Jonesy eighty is Notre oh. Dame. Sorry. I was just say, Ryan, you already addressed him earlier as a guy they may look at. I just yeah. I brought this up simply because I wanted you to just kind of talk about his game a little bit more okay. specifically. Yeah, is is Notre Dame going after Will Shepard, Vanderbilt kid? Should be a fit for Notre Dame. Well, he would be a fit for Notre Dame not only from the academic side of things because he's also a graduated graduate as well. So he is a graduated player. He's a fourth year. He's going to be a fifth year player next year. So he is listed between 6'3 and 190 and 200 pounds, depending on where you listed. He is, he's a boundary type receiver, JM Jonesy, who, but he's not like your traditional boundaries as you would anticipate as far as like a guy that's long and incredibly explosive and wins down the field with speed. This is much more of that back shoulder, big body catch radius guy. Like he does some really good body control though. And he really does a great job working near the sideline. So this is kind of that high extension, pluck the football out of the air, really reliable pass catcher. He wins down the field at times because again, out positions guys for football extends in the air. He's a springy athlete. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a former basketball player based upon how he plays, but he's a physical springy athlete who has a big catch radius. So I like Will Shepard. I, if I was Notre Dame, I would personally target Will Shepard. I would give him an, I'd give him a deep look. Yeah, I haven't watched him. That's why I wanted to let you be the one to answer that question, right? Because I know you've studied. Because you, you've looked at him for, but you've looked at him before. Like this is a guy yeah. that as soon as he jumped on the portal, you texted me like they should look at this guy. So this is clearly a guy you I, you kind of had messaging. on your radar already. I was messaging with him last year during his breakout year, just because I thought he was playing really well. You know, like I was like, oh, you're playing really well. I mean, honestly, dude, if Vanderbilt could just like keep some of their guys with the program, they would be okay yeah. in a couple of years. They just can't keep them. Like, and that's the thing that sucks about the portal because you yeah. recruit these guys, develop these guys, and then as soon as they have success, they just bail. Yeah. That sucks. He, yeah. And so you're losing Will Shepard. You're losing Jaden McGowan. You're losing AJ. You're losing AJ Swan for there too, who was supposed to be their guy moving forward. So yeah, Vanderbilt just, they're not a school that's going to be able to. They lost to Ricky Wrights, who's a really talented safety for them as well. He's like a 6'4", huge safety, really good ball skills. You just can't keep those guys around because they're not competitive enough. I mean, it just is what it is, man. Did I see that uh, A.J. Swan also jumped in the portal? A.J. Swan hit the portal, yeah. yeah. Did he get benched at some point in time this year or something? I know he was banged up a little bit, and then I think they were rotating between him and the Ken okay. Seals kid, I think. So, gotcha. yeah. I know they both played this year, though. Just can't. Keep him happy, man. JHT 1988. Any concern Mike Brown comes from the same tree philosophy as Marcus Freeman? Seems like this could be a great opportunity to bring in a different perspective or philosophy to the room. You, you A head coach needs people to buy into his philosophy. I mean, look, you can't have eight philosophies on your football team. And just because he comes from the same tree doesn't mean he doesn't have different ideas to make the philosophy work. But you need someone to come in and buy into your Philosophy. Guys, I, right. I need y'all to hear me this. Hear me say this, okay? Hiring coaches that you're familiar with is not a bad thing. You have to hire competent coaches. 
the best coaches are guys that are competent and good at their job, but also know you and know what you're trying to accomplish. So you don't have to teach that. It it is a positive that he comes from the Marcus Freeman tree as far as the philosophy. It's a positive. The negative would be if he wasn't good at his job. That's the the only reason Jeff Quinn was a bad hire is because he wasn't good at his job. I didn't care that he came from Brian Kelly's tree. Don't care. Mike Elston came from Brian Kelly's tree. Bob Diaco came from Brian Kelly's tree. Mike Mickens technically came from Brian Kelly's tree because he coached him in college. He was one of his the players that played for him. Uh, Mike Dembrock was from Brian Kelly's tree. That's worked right. out pretty good. It worked out pretty good for him in Notre Dame. Worked out pretty good for him at LSU so far. The, the, the issue was, again, he made bad hires. He should have never hired Brian, Brian McGorder, not because he was from the same tree, but because he wasn't a very good football coach. He literally had already coordinated the worst defense in Auburn history two years before, I think, three years before uh, he came to Notre Dame. There was evidence this was a bad hire before it was yeah. made. That was the problem. Not that he was from the tree, but it was a bad, bad hire. Those are my problems. If I could look, if I, when I went into interview for head coaching jobs and coordinator jobs when I was still coaching, I had a list of guys that I wanted to bring with me. Why? A, I knew they were good coaches, and B, they were guys that I knew believed in coaching football the way that I believe in coaching football. You have to have guys like that. Some of yeah. those guys are going to be from outside hires. They're going to be at other places. But if you have experience, hey, I know this guy can coach his butt off. This kid is great with relationships. This guy can recruit, and this guy could thrive at my position group. I don't care if he's from your tree or not. You go get that guy. And yeah. if he's from your tree, it's even better because now there's more trust I know how he treats players because I was with him for three years and watched him do it. Guys, that's a good thing. Two years. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing that he comes from that. What you're referring to is, is to me is if you have, you know, if you have issues with certain things, you know, your offense is really struggling and it's not good and you need outside performance. There are some tweaks that need to be made to this offense. But again, this offense also did a lot of good things this year. They don't need an overhaul. And if anything, you know, they were lacking. One of the things they were lacking most was you didn't have receivers that could carry out the things they wanted them to do because they didn't know how to play the game the right way. You know, and, and when your two best route runners are true freshmen, like I have literally seen people that are supposedly experts argue that if this guy was a bad coach, why are the freshmen playing so well? Like you don't understand like how that's not making the point you think it's making. When a freshman comes in and they're better route runners than the kids you had already coached for a year – that's not making the point you think it's making. That's actually pointing against it because that means these kids showed up better coached by their high school coaches than you did with these guys over the last year. That's not making the point you think it's making. And so you need a guy that can coach that position. And I don't care where he comes from. And the fact that Marcus Freeman knows this guy and trusts this guy, after what just happened with that receiver room, the lack of trust, the relationships – Marcus Freeman needed to make sure he's bringing in someone that can coach the position, but also develop the, the necessary relationships, Ryan. And there's no one that he's going to know for a fact can do that better than a guy that he's actually coached with. You, you know, what's really funny is that, you know, the, the same tree he comes from the same tree. A lot of the fans in this chats and just in general wanted Notre Dame to hire Luke fickle. Right. And it's literally that tree. It's literally literally, the same tree. <laughs> I have literally seen people complain about, Marcus Freeman going after Mike Brown and saying, this is why he sh they should have waited on Luke Fickle. 
I've literally seen that argument get made. This is such a bad hire by Marcus Freeman. He doesn't have experience. This is a buddy hire. They should have waited on Luke Fickle. I'm like, are you literally that stupid? You mean Luke you Fickle don't that just went to Wisconsin yes! and took Mike Brown with him? Yes! <laughs> who, who, who this guy worked for at Cincinnati? I'm like, you yeah. can't be that stupid. And But apparently yeah. there are some people that are. Yeah. And and it's just I'm not JHT is not saying that that's not at all. Oh no, JHT's I wasn't saying it for JHT. Right. I was saying a lot of people just, wanted Luke Fickle. It's though. like it's it's wild some of the yeah. takes, and it's like you're mad that Marcus Freeman's hiring a guy from Luke away from from Luke Fickle, and your comeback is this is why you should have hired Luke Fickle to begin with. Guess who Luke Fickle would have brought as his receivers <laughs> coach had he got hired at Notre Dame? Yeah. Mike Brown. It just yeah. the whole thing is just it just sometimes I just want to. It's just run my head to a glass wall. It's just know? very contradictory to me. Yeah. Like, cause, cause like if you were a guy that didn't want Luke fickle and then you're also like, don't touch that tree. Then like, cool. Okay. Yeah. I understand you. You're, you're, you're from a yeah, solid like, grounding there. I like my, it. my concern, Ryan, about this hire yeah. is more of the combination of him and Gino being together okay. with Joe Rudolph. Cause here's my point. Like one of the things that, you know, Mark's from saying, you know, I love the fact that Gino Gadulli and Joe Rudolph have coordinator experience and my, my kind of in my inside, I'm like, yeah, but neither of them were very good at it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not like you went and got David Cutcliffe to come in and just coach your quarterbacks as he's getting ready to retire. You hired a guy that was not very good at Cincinnati as the OC who Luke Fickle took with him to Wisconsin, but did not make him the OC. You know, yeah. you hired a guy in Joe Rudolph who might be a good old line coach, but he was a, very mediocre to not very good offensive coordinator. I don't know how much that helps. So when I think of that, that's a concern. But when I look at what Mike Brown does with the receivers, if as long as it's Jared Parker's offense, I I can live with it. So, I mean, I I think that's some valid concerns. Like, and if that's where JHT's coming from, then that's a valid concern. But I just, I think what he's being asked to do, I, I don't think it's as much of an issue for me. Right. It is uh, if it was more of a like a coordinator role or something along those lines. Sure. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.